Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Far Post Perth, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome along to another Far Post Perth podcast in association with Outside 90. My name is Neil Sherwin and I'm delighted to be back for a, a third edition of the, the podcast and I've got two people around the table with me to have a chat. To my left I have... Donna, how are you going guys? And to the right. Neil, how are you going? That's Blaine Trickgold yeah. here. Who are you? I'm Blaine. Yeah. Good stuff, Blaine's Blaine. So Donna's been travelling around Europe, Blaine has been visiting the exotic far north of WA for uh, business purposes. But we've reconvened and we're here to have a chat about the latest goings on with Perk Glory, the AD, and a little bit of WA football. So we're uh, we're at Rosie O'Grady's bar in uh, in Perth CBD, surrounded by a lot of Glasgow Celtic memorabilia. A wonderful place. Um, so thanks to them for hosting us today. It's great. So uh, yeah, let's kick into it. Uh, the first thing we'll talk about is Perk Glory's latest game, which was on Friday night against Tim KLFC. It was a brilliant away win in Melbourne. Um, myself and Blaine were down at the Elephant and Wheelbarrow, along with a, a fairly boisterous, it's fair to say, um, glory following. Blaine, start, start with yourself. You've got to be really happy with the win. There's really no negatives when you take it at face value. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I mean, I think we went in with a, with a clear plan to get under the skin. Um, I think it worked. Um, I was down at um, Glory training in the week, and um, they seem very adamant on um, on uh, working on certain little things here and there. Obviously, we can only see from afar, but um, I mean, as Kenny said, they went in with a plan, and it um, it came off, and they walked away with the three points. It certainly did. It, it was quite evident that they'd worked on set pieces. We saw from the first goal, um, it, their defensive structure was quite good. They, they, I mean, I had a look at the stats from the game and. They didn't have very much possession, really, overall. I mean, it was it was way down at 37.1%, which is to be expected when you play against a side that is, is, has got a lot of good ball players, knocks the ball around really, really well. So it, it's more about when you have possession making it effective, so having effective possession on the ball. And, and Don, I think we, see, we saw Glory scoring three goals. <laughs> they were quite effective with, with the ball when they had it. Yeah, um, whatever Keo changed from the week before and brought into um, Friday night's clash worked for him. He was unbelievable, so credit where credit's due for him. Um, I think with Nebo on the field as well, with his free kicks and set pieces, you've got to give him credit. They seemed, as you can tell, when Victory played um, City, we gave them a lot of room for them to play free-flowing football, but what I saw with Glory is they completely shut them down. And they did it really well. So, um, yeah, positive signs. Yeah, I think I think where City can be quite dangerous is in between the lines. So between the where a normal midfield would be in a defensive line, um, Ruston Griffiths played a little bit deeper for Glory at times and was there to break up play. And he, he did it, he did it very effectively. The shots that count was quite even. There was um, City had 17 with six on target and Glory had 14 with eight on target. So even Glory were more efficient. Uh, in that regard, and um, the shooting accuracy was was much higher. Um, but the the really interesting stats for me, Blaine, was defensively that Glory put in thirty tackles to City's seven, and um, put in forty five clearances to City's nineteen. So 
reading that it sounds like it was a little bit of a back to the wall performance but actually watching the game it, it was just it was no, they, very resolute. they certainly looked first to the ball in most instances they, yeah, were, they were very very hungry for it um, um, and even just saying they played through the lines they weren't City weren't allowed to play through the lines as they usually do and I think Bratton and Kilkenny were very much nullified when they came out of defence and um, it actually reminded me of going back to the Socceroos of a few years ago when you only had Tim Cahill up front and they resorted to a lot of long balls and diagonal balls which just didn't really come to anything. The height at the back, that first half, I think we propelled just about everything that they they threw at us with ease. Yeah, and it was looking good. The glory got the goal, but then the penalty incident came, and we'll have to we'll have to talk about that. It was Bruno Fornaroli went down in the box rather easily. There was a minimal contact. It looked like on his toe from Dino Djulovic, but not enough to fall in that way. Um, Donna. You support a team that has Bessar Parisha in it. You, <laughs> are you going to criticise Bruno Fornaroli for going down easy? Oh, look, I said it to Blaine on Friday night. There was contact. It was evident there was contact. Did he go down easy? Yes. But I think, let's put it the way it is, 90% of strikers that are in the box at that time with a bit of contact are going to milk it. Dino <laughs> put himself in a position yeah. where Fornaroli could, could do it. And a smart striker like a, does that. Like a... Let's just, that's just yeah, been in let's just it, face you know. the truth. Um, and I pointed out that at the Glory game the week before, you know, Harold and Keo both went down a little bit easy in the box. So really, anyone that's in that position, strikers, forwards, that know they're, the defender's there, they're going to do exactly the same thing. So was it a penalty? Hey, he went down, so... I'm going to admit, that's, that's one part of the game that really angers me. We yeah. saw it from Andy Keogh a couple of weeks yeah. ago, flopping around in the box. That's exactly what I'm We've referring to. We've been on the to. other end of it yeah. from Berisha. Yeah, absolutely. Week, minimal All contacts. smart strikers do it, and it's annoying to see, but they do it. And if the shoe was on the other foot and it was out here, or you know, if it was the glory, and... They, oh, we'd be know, delighted. You'd be delighted, exactly. So the argument's there, but, you know, it's sad that that's what they do. I don't think it's ever going to exit the game at this stage. <laughs> so is it, is, part, is it part of the evolution of instant replays that this sort of thing gets reviewed quickly on the sideline and it's penalty, no yeah, penalty? Yeah, see look, I went, um, while I was in Europe and watched the Newcastle um, United play and they don't show replays simply because of fan reactions and having these debates and it's just up to what the ref sees at that time. So sometimes that could probably work in our favour and that's what the fourth ref should be before or the fifth ref. <laughs> Alright, well the, the penalty was just before half time and as the half time whistle went per glory boss Kenny Lowe um, <laughs> went initially as a peacemaker to get his players away from uh, from speaking to the referee Alan Milner I think it was um, and he subsequently did a bit of finger pointing a lot of swearing and was subsequently sent to the stands he, he since received a two game ban for his actions I'll just read out a small snippet from the match review panel's uh, report it says the MOP determined that Lowe committed the offence of use of offensive insulting or abusive language and or gestures towards a match official the MRP has proposed a sanction of two matches being the mandatory match suspension plus one additional match so that's two games and he can appeal one of those Blame what's your take on the situation I, I mean I, I think personally not Kenny Lowe was right to go out and to pull his players away. It was it was the smart thing to do, but you can't publicly remonstrate with a referee like that on the pitch and not expect some sort of sanction. Yeah, there's two two sides to me to this. As a Glory fan, I love seeing it. I love seeing the passion there from Ruston. I love seeing the you know it was Ruston and Dino ended up getting that 
yellow card themselves for yep. having a go at the ref. Um, you see it all over the world, it happens, you get the yellow card, you shut your mouth, you get on with the game. Kenny, um, I mean the passion that he showed and then also putting Dave Davudovich kind of, it looked like he put him in his place after a, a very kind of um, leading question um, which questioned the, the physicality. Um, it was clear that Kenny was very frustrated at that stage. But as yeah, you can't go out and do that, unfortunately. Um, I think you might have got away with it to an extent if it was in down the tunnel at half time. It was more so, yeah, so if, he, if he'd attacked the referee in that environment rather than right in the centre circle with the cameras were still on. What's very interesting though, if you go on the press conference, um, he was questioned about did he get a straight red as such. Kenny didn't know anything about that. He came, went to go back out 15 minutes, uh, 15 minutes later for, after half time and was told, no, you're going up to the stands. That's given the referee 15 minutes to either half on that or get advice from elsewhere. So that kind of doesn't sit right with me as if Alan Milliner had dealt with that there and then when Kenny was out in the field and said, right, that's it, you're off to the stands. That's almost the end of it there. But I think there's some inconsistencies with how the officials possibly. Deal but with what it. you'll what you'll have is people come out and saying is that it was smart from the referee to take 15 minutes and not in the heat of the moment just give him a red card. You know, say he went into his change room, he may have talked to the other officials, they deliberated yeah. the best course of action, the decision was made to send him to the stands, and then it's up to the match review panel then to decide what sanction is imposed, and they've come back with this one plus one gig that'll kick um, in uh, for the Brisbane away game this week. I think it was um, Ogonowski on the. At the on the show when he was talking to Peacock about it and he said one thing and I say this about Muskie every week so I can't really comment because his antics are quite out there but he did say that as a coach you don't want to see that your players shouldn't see what you, that's what you're doing and as Neil said if it was done in the tunnel I don't think he would have been reprimanded this way it's the fact that he went on like a like a monkey let's say and um, took it to another level do I love Kenny's passion? I do. Do I think that coaches should act that way? No. And as, as I said, I say that about Musket all the time. Some people have come out and said to me, how come Musket hasn't been reprimanded for his actions? He does it a bit slightly so it doesn't look like he's running on the field like a crazy man. So I think he got away with it. With there was an interesting point in there where he goes and drags the two players away, he turns to walk away himself and then he comes back for the afters. That's and it's also was. questionable whether something was possibly said from the refs because of the, his reaction to that. Yeah. It doesn't justify his reaction, don't get me wrong. No, but no it doesn't. But you wonder whether there's some almost some mitigating circumstances. Yeah, something... you wonder what the ref had said. Exactly. Um, I agree with him taking his players away um, and I kept saying that Griffith should, uh, you know, he should have walked away. Dino should have walked away. We all know Dino is very hot-headed when he wants to be, and um, that's his own fault. He's like that. He shows passion for the game, but hey, the plays came back firing, and I think they were brilliant in the second half, and I think it was because of what Kenny did. I think they just wanted to shove it in everyone's if, if face. That, if, <laughs> so. that, if that penalty was given <laughs> against me in a game, I would have had the same reaction to both the player and the official. Yeah. That's heated at the moment stuff. There's a lot of people that maybe haven't played at any level and don't understand the frustrations that can go through when you're wronged. The players got punished for that. They shouted at the referee and they got a yellow card. That's it. Kenny went on, tried to pull them away. He took his he took his uh, reaction a little bit too far and he subsequently got a ban for it. I don't think anyone can really argue that no. there was going to be some sort of repercussions for what went on. It's just not going to be tolerated. And 
one plus one. I mean, you can appeal one of them if he likes, but I don't even think it's that big a deal of a ban, to be honest. Um, Gloria, uh, the way Andy Ord is, is uh, as a coach, he's very hands-on and, and gets involved, and even Kenny credited him for organising the set pieces um, for the game at the weekend. Yeah, it's a problem to have your, you know, your first-team coach sitting in the stands, but really, I, I think it's just, it is what it is, and there's no point to yeah. it. It's not a really, big deal. No, no, I, I don't it think is, so Yeah, exactly. Either. It is what it is. Um, when you've got someone like Ord in the back, you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much on that. You literally just move on from it and yeah. just get over it. All right, let's move on then to something else. Um, there's a player that's been criticised heavily in the first two games. It's Andy Kyo. I'll keep calling him Kyo because that's the correct pronunciation. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he was... Irish lessons brought to you yes. by Neil Sherwood. <laughs> uh, elocution lessons for all of Fox Sports and every other part of the media. Um, Yes, he's been slated the first two weeks. He did miss a hat load, of, a half full of chances. But even in the pub on um, on on Friday night before he scored, the, the vitriol and, and the abuse towards him. It's typical of supporters in general, not just Glory, that that they can be quite fickle with a player and miss yeah. a lot of stuff that happens off the ball. Even though he did miss a lot of chances in the first two games, he, he's run himself into the ground. And when you're a, a defender or a midfielder and you've got someone who, who runs the channels, pressurises defenders, and generally works their socks off, you tend to give them a little bit of le- leeway. I guess my question, and I'll start with you, Don, as an outsider, is do you think that he's, he's, being, he's being judged too heavily just on the goals? And, and should he be because he's a striker? I, I don't understand people that go on rants two rounds in and judge a player and say that he has been woeful and all that sort of jargon. Yes, he wasn't great. I thought that from the second round. Uh, first round, I can't comment on. I didn't watch it. Um, it's probably a good thing he didn't watch yeah, it. Yeah, so, um, but you can't judge a player just over two two games. Um, is it because he had lack of preseason against other A-League squads that it shows it um, when he's playing now? But whatever he did in training, whatever Kenny did, whatever they worked on, worked. And he came back firing. So judge him on his last game. He was brilliant. Um, and I've said this before, I would have him in my team any day of the week. I so think the no criticism comes in where he needs to... Um, I mean, he was missing bread and butter chances oh, that yeah. a striker of his level should be should never finishing. Miss. Correct. Um, yep. First game against Central Coast, probably could have had five or six. So um, <laughs> second game probably could have had five or six. This one he probably could have had five or six with a bit of luck here and there. And if the ball had bounced different ways, I think that's where the frustration was coming in from the fans. No, I don't think anyone ever questioned his work rate. His work rate. No, he runs like a he runs like a horse. He tracks he's back. Just, he gets up. Yeah. He makes superb runs. He he's probably too good at making runs. In the fact that he's called offside very very often. Um, we have the same issue at the moment with the victory. Everyone's saying that about Barisha in the first two rounds. Where is he? He wasn't doing what he should be doing but when you've got strikers like that you don't question where they're going to be two rounds in because they'll just pick it up and they both did the same and they're professionals they know what they need to fix they're they're not silly (laughs) the thing with Kyo is I suppose people may not realise he's never been a a massively prolific goal scorer at club level when he played for Ireland he was used as a right winger by Giovanni Trapattoni because of his work rate he used to get up and down the touchline and what he's, he's I think he scored two goals in 31 games at international level so he's not exact exactly a prolific scorer I'm hope my hope is that when when Taggart is fully fit that the two of them work together and it'll be Taggart that benefits from Kyo's runs as in drawing the centre-backs out wide leaving gaps leaving holes winning flick-ons 
Well, think, that seemed to happen in that first game. Exactly, that first half exactly. Post. Exactly. That first 45 minutes was a taste of, of the potential for that partnership when it does click. But as as we saw at the weekend, he's still a, a very capable finisher. I mean, the third goal was ridiculous. I know there was a, a defensive howler um, gifted him the ball, but to, to finish with that composure on his weaker side first time over the keeper and into the net was, was fantastic. And I, I, it might have shut a few people up, but I reckon it's probably only temporarily. If he goes another game or two without a goal, the um, the Boo Boys will be back out again. And it's as I said, it's not just Glory fans; it's no. um, it's fans in general. There's just a very very. They just want uh, strikers to score. They think that's their only job to do to put the ball in the back of the net. And then when they don't, they've had a shit game. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, a, a couple. <laughs> okay. of I think when they miss the chances that Keo missed. Oh, he missed a great deal of chances in the that's, second. As I said, I think that's where the, the yeah, criticism absolutely. comes in. And I think that's, that's, that's rightly correct. Yeah. When that comes down to a lack of confidence or whatever it well, comes down to. Poor preseason has been I, mentioned I often con- enough. Yeah, I think it's yeah. definitely up yeah. to, and I've just finished saying that, preseason against A-League teams is yeah. completely different to playing state teams. And I've said it in the first podcast, no disrespect to state teams and Division 1 teams, but when you play an A-League side, it's completely different levels. So I think that comes into it as well. But you know what? Three rounds in and scored a hat-trick, so got to be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll go from front to back then because Tony Sage had, um, there was an article uh, with an interview with Tony in the uh, on the World Games today and he was discussing Glory's defensive frailties. Uh, I guess that's it in summation, um, saying that they conceded sloppy goals and essentially don't win titles by defending as they have been. Uh, you know, there's been a few tweaks to the to the back four so far. Shane Larry hasn't played yet. Reese Williams didn't travel. So we had Dino Djulbic and, um, and Alex Grant at the back. What have you made, Blaine, of the defensive partnership? Because it, it's, it seems weird because Alex Grant and, and Dino Djulbic got a lot of credit for the game at the weekend, yet they still conceded two sloppy goals as a defence. Dino does worry me at times. Um, his experience is fantastic, but I think as he's going on and with a few injuries, um, he can be just that step too slow. Um, and I think that may have, whether it was a silly decision making or whether it was a step too slow, that possibly gave away that penalty to Fornaroli in the week. Um, we'll never know. But I mean, going into the City game, I thought, and even in the, after the first couple, um, I thought that with Williams and Dino, there possibly was a, a lack of mobilities with the two centre halves. Um, I think we have, saw. I think we saw that way with with when um, against the Mariners when Risden pushed forward and Connor Payne was able to run into that right back channel. He, Dino got dragged out. He he got burned a few times. Absolutely, and Connor Payne exploited that beautifully. Um, and I even going into the Wellington game, I said if someone like Roy Krishna did, does the same, it'll be a, a very very similar. Uh, predicament. Um, I think once everyone is fit and firing, I would prefer to go back to a Lowry Grant pairing, um, and that could also leave Williams to push up the grounds slightly or play more of a proactive role um, up the park slightly, um, which possibly won't put so much strain on him and his injuries. Um, but I, I think the, the pairing of Lowry and Grant got us to where we did in the end last season, so I think they've pretty tried and tested. Donna, do you think that there's a danger if you're playing Grant, Larry, Williams, Griffiths as your two centre halves and your two centre midfielders, you become quite defensive minded and negative, and it can it, it can lead to 
I guess not not so much boring football or anything like that because they can all knock the ball around but you miss that little spark if you take out say Nebo comes out of the team or yeah. Chris Harrell comes out of the team you, you lose that little bit of attacking impetus if you're playing with two defensive minded midfielders and Brandon Wilson hasn't really done much wrong yeah um I see what you're saying with it becoming a bit too much of a defensive squad with having all four of them in there. Um, I, with going what um, Nebo did in the last match against City, I would, would not drop him um, this week. I thought he was great. That was my personal um, opinion. And I'm quite quite a critic of um, Nebo because I've seen him go up and down. So I've watched he him goes closely. With, he goes yeah, he does. So um, touching on that, Grant... I think is brilliant and I would have him in the squad over Dino any day of the week and I thought I saw him very calm on the ball um, as Tony had said you don't win games by defending that way yeah he's right <laughs> um, but again I thought Dino and Grant did really well over the weekend and I think they replaced Reese very well in a, you know in a sense um, with the way they played yeah it can be a bit boring but you know, Reese, I've seen him push up a bit, so he makes those ones. Dino, I don't think he has it in him to do that. I think that's when he slows down and the midfielders expose him and he can't run back to cover his man. So I think once you've got Lowry back in, I think I think you'll be fine. Yeah, I, that's yeah, that's similar to, to where I'm where I'm coming from too. Um, With no disrespect to Dino, he's great and his passion's fantastic and he's got experience, but he gets caught out far too many times and he just can't run back. That's his issue. If he just stays there, he'll be fine. But, you know, doing those runs, I think sometimes exposes him. Not like Risden. Risden runs up, runs back. In saying that, Risden did get caught a few times um, against City, but he manages to get back and win the ball back. So, and he's a bit younger. <laughs> it's going to be a very interesting to see when they have a full um, complement of players to oh, choose absolutely. from at the back. You're quite just, lucky. <laughs> just, oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a positive <laughs> As Kenny said, he goes, it's almost worth me taking a holiday when I've got all these players coming back because the stress levels are going to be huge with them all. Give me a contention. couple of defenders, we'll be happy. <laughs> uh, one last question, um, one last glory specific question before we move on. Does a win like that against City raise expectations for away games now? Because it's so early in the season, it was the first away game, you've gone to the title favourites, beaten them in their own backyard, silenced a few critics. The expectation, well, yeah, we go to Gold's Prison. I think it sent a hell of a statement. Um, even within our own fans, uh, those first two games were that you could pick apart and you could find some. They, they weren't full. Um, they weren't, a, a, you know, a, the best games that we could possibly play. There was plenty that we could improve on. That game there was, I think, was as almost as good as an away win that I've seen in the last. Oh, it was oh, a great years. win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Look, going in, I thought you guys I said, they had were going to win. Well, I, I would be <laughs> considering how they played against the victory. I expected I thought we the were same in trouble. thing. I would have been yeah. very happy to walk away with a point against a side like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh well, I stuck Fornaroli as my fantasy captain and got rid of all the glory defenders because I was expecting a bit That's of an onslaught. I, I, I actually went to sort mine around, but it turns out I didn't press save and picked up eighty-one points. So. <laughs> yeah, lovely. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> All right, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the glory chat there and come back um, with some A-League uh, opinion and views in just a moment. You're listening to the Far Post Perth, powered by Outside90.com.
Welcome back to the Park Post Perth podcast. Part one was all about Park Glory, and now we're going to expand our horizons a little bit and go into the A League in general. We've had three rounds of the season since our last podcast, so this, the table is starting to take shape a little bit with Sydney FC out in front. Three wins for three, nine goals scored, none conceded, but they left it late to uh, to beat Wellington Phoenix. Um, I got a bit of a, a hard time from the Wellington Phoenix fans at the start of the season when I predicted that they wouldn't make finals. Um, just like to say, even though it's only three games in, where are you now? Bottom of the table with no goals scored. Um, Blaine, thoughts on that smash and grab for uh, for Sydney FC in, in Wellington? And it wasn't a great game, but it was a little bit of a lob the ball to Matt Simon, win the flick on, score a goal, take three points and back home we go. Yeah, the, um, the Sydney boys seem to be getting a little bit of, of the rub of the green um, in certain ways at the moment, I think. Um, not that they haven't worked hard for it, they've been pretty impressive in some of the goals that they've scored and the amount that they've scored. Um, I only saw um, glimpses of this match, but it seemed to me one of the biggest problems with Wellington Phoenix just not being able to keep the ball. Um, uh, yeah, I. With going back to the predictions at the start of the season, we thought that um, Wellington would probably be a bit better than sitting yeah, bottom I'd after three rounds. Yeah, I tipped them to be top four. I tipped them the to dark be horse six, to come in. but yeah, it's so, uh, only three rounds in. It's a marathon, not a race, and plenty of. See, I thought um, when they played you guys in round two was because. You know, they had Finkler, uh, not Finkler, sorry, Barbarouss and all their international guys come back from their break. I believe that they let, you know, that game they had landed the night before and so forth, and I thought that was due to that. And then I watched snippets of the game against Sydney. To be honest, I switched off, I wasn't very interested in both the teams, it wasn't the most exciting game. Um, but hey, that's how you win games at the end of the, the final whistle. Yeah, they look a much better unit though. And the fact that they haven't conceded yet, they've been very resolute in defence. Um, they put the Mariners to the sword quite comfortably. They did what, what Glory didn't do. They they or what Glory they didn't do what Glory did, and they kept the foot on the accelerator for ninety minutes, and uh, and picked up the three points. So they yeah, they they've been they've been impressive. Glory, as we know, are in second on on seven points, two wins and a draw, uh, followed by Melbourne City on six. There's only three unbeaten sides in the A-League uh, now, and two of them are Sydney FC and Perth Glory, and the other is the Newcastle Jets with a win and a draw. They, um, they were a little bit fortuitous to claim a point at the Western Sydney Wanderers in the late Sunday game, going 2-0 down before snatching a point when um, Red, Andrew Redmay made it. Uh, an absolute hash of, uh, of Andrew Hill's late free kick, let it sneak in at the bottom left-hand, or bottom left-hand post. Awful, awful stadium for a game again. Spotless. Wanderers fans are going to be there for the next couple of years. It's yeah, bring your binoculars. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's just one of those things that um, we're just going to have to deal with, or what Wanderers fans are just going to have to deal with until they can get the new stadium sorted. Um, I actually didn't realise it was that bad. Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't as bad as an AFL game. You know, they had plenty more supporters than than the AFL. Yeah, I just saw there. some just saw some pictures like restricted views, and then if you're in the active support, they always put the active support really low down behind the goal, so you've got the whatever amount of meters to the goal itself, and then you're at a lot of AFL grounds and um, pitch tend to be kind of sloped so that they can drain quite quickly. So if you're really low down, you're trying to see the far 
far end of yeah, the ground. You, you so really I'm hard to believe struggle. that they don't bring the seats forward. They can't. They they did what it was like what um what they what Glory did at Subi Oval a few years ago for the the grand final rematch against they, Brisbane Roar where they pulled, they pulled, all down one pulled end. the pitch towards one end. Right. So, the, so the the section behind the goal isn't as far away as it would be if it, the pitch was dead centre okay. of the oval. Fair enough. But yep. there's still a bit of a distance. So okay. it's. Look, yeah, it, it's serving a purpose for next few years, but that doesn't mean it looks good. It's still pretty poxy. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. But the game itself, uh, it looked like Wanderers were, were cruising two goals to the good, and then and then they, they imploded. So they're sitting on a win, uh, a draw, and a loss so far on four points. Um, that's in six spots. So sandwiching the Jets and the Wanderers is Donna, your boys, Melbourne Victory, yeah. who got their first win of the season. And um, the one game yes. I didn't see at the weekend was uh, was Victory Adelaide. I heard good things about it. You got a nice win, good travelling support, a high marsh as usual. Um, yeah. Kind of gets the, the monkey off the back in terms of, of the a first three points. supporters flew over to that, so um, well done, guys. But you know, it was a it was very unlucky for Adelaide not to get a point out of that. But I'm not going to complain that we got all three. Um, the second half of that game was absolutely brilliant football. It was, you were at the edge of your seat. It was, you know, ping pong one end to the other, one end to the other. Um, yeah, it does. It eases a bit of uh, pressure off Muskie, but the job's not over yet. Um, as I said at the start of the pod, I'm glad we take some of the Gora defenders and slip them into our defence because ours. What is, is it with everyone getting on Muskie's back? As oh, someone said the other day, four some, months ago they yeah. held they held all three trophies. And, and it's and three games into exactly, the new season and they're all jumping on Yeah, you, you know, fire him, get him out, musky out, blah, blah, blah. It really does annoy me because, um, and then they all go on the rants about, you know, he won those trophies built on Ange's squad. That's not the truth. He brought in quite a few players, did what he had to do. Um, can't judge a coach, again, three rounds in like they do with players. But it does ease a bit of pressure and, hey, who doesn't love a win against Adelaide? So, well done to the guys. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It was a good show of character to come back from the the hiding that they got in the derby oh, to to go to Adelaide and you know <laughs> and, and claim. I mean, I I laughed a lot when City were sticking those goals in in the derby. Thought it was brilliant, um, but at the same time, you you also don't have to give credit for a victory for the way they they bounced back. And I, I know Adelaide are struggling at the moment injury wise. They've just lost Enrique for six weeks to go with um, Sergio Thierio's 10-week yeah. injury. Just so Karuska's yeah. out as well. So they, and they, as I made the point on Twitter before this game, looking at their squad, they have very little depth when you take out three or four quality players. I think that's one thing that Glory have, for example, over a lot of the other teams, is they can bring in players of, of very good quality um, when, when they lose one or two, whereas Adelaide just don't seem to have very much beyond the yeah, first 11-12 players. You look at their bench and you're not scared to see who's going to come on. And they have to juggle the ACL this year yeah, as well. If so, someone gets injured, you're not worried that they're going to get replaced. Not taking anything away from the players that they've got, but they're not all as, you know, it's not scary to look at. Um, on Enrique's injury, it didn't look as bad um, when it happened when Ollie went in. It, I just thought that they knocked knees and it was just a bit of a precaution, but, you know, it does suck to be an Adelaide fan at the moment because two big injuries in there two was weeks. A, there was, I mean, Quite a few fans, not all uh, uh, Adelaide fans, were quite critical in their lack of um, proactively going out and buying new players in the new season. They left it quite late. And I mean, retrospectively now, now that they have lost a couple, it seems once they did win the title last season, they weren't 
they didn't want to take that next step. They were happy no. just sitting where they were. And of course, with ACL this year, um, you need to you need to bulk up, you know. And they they simply haven't done it. Um, and now it's come unstuck a little bit for them. The um, the thing with Adelaide is we we would have sat here twelve months ago and said pretty much the exact same thing, and they went on and won the title. Yeah, what was it? Eight games. Was it eight games they lost or didn't win? After eight rounds, they were bottom of the league. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then look where they came out. So anything can happen. But again, as Neil said, they don't really have that depth. They've lost quite a few big names um, indefinitely at the moment. But hey. I mean, it's it's in this league. It's consistency. I mean, that might happen with Adelaide. What Adelaide did last year it might happen once in a blue moon. Yeah, it, it, it does happen. Right. Don't get me wrong. But overall, you need to be consistently picking up points, oh, and you absolutely. need to be consistently having players that are fit and that can come in and out and do a job for you. Um, so, and yeah, it looks like Adelaide—they um, might struggle for the next uh, next few weeks. All right, the um, the other game of the weekend—it's Glory's opponents this weekend. Brisbane Roar went to the Central Coast Mariners, got a win there. Um, fairly drab and uninspiring game overall. The Mariners didn't really offer too much um they, they were good at times the first probably 15 20 minutes they were exploiting the the wings using the pace it was good to have uh, fabio ferreira back for them um but yeah ultimately brisbane were the better side had the better chances and and got the goal the mariners we as we know have picked up one point so far this season obviously nov stadium <laughs> but blaine they're still they're just they're not no great shakes. No, no, they won't. Um, I don't think they'll trouble um, trouble the, the scorers, let alone any other teams this this year too much. Um, and I do feel sorry for the fans because I mean they are a very very small club, and the and the the fans that they do have are quite loyal and quite connected to them through the through the community work that they do. Um, it's unfortunate that um, that they just seem to be uh, always the bridesmaids. Yeah, I, I like the Mariners as a club. But at the same time, can't keep propping up a team that effectively would have been relegated a couple of times, you know, or could have been relegated a couple of times. And I know I'm not getting into the debate, I'm not getting into it at all. <laughs> but my sympathy for the Mariners tends to tends to wane as the seasons go on. I know that they've budget constraints and they've whatever else they they, they obviously don't have the money for big name marquees and they just try and get by basically at times. And it's it's great when they have. Some of the achievements that they've had in the past and it's a proper community club fantastic some of the initiatives they do and they, they work hard but the results on the pitch are ultimately what matters in football and the results are just not there so i just don't think you can do as much as you want in the community yeah. you can be as community based as you want to be you can be a you know family orientated club but that doesn't get you three points at the end of the day so you've got to get out there and bust it and unfortunately i don't see them working their way up the ladder this season. And it was funny because Ocon came out and said that he thought against Sydney they were the better, better team. And that baffles me when a coach can say that after they've just been drubbed. Was it 4 nil? So I think he's got to try to talk it up. But there's, <laughs> there's, there's no there's way an, to do that. There's an extreme that you get a line you can <laughs> that, cross. Yeah, you, know, becomes... po- you can give some positives, but you can't say you were the better team on the park when you just got smashed 4 nil. So no, not at all. And, and that, look, I think it is what it is with them, I think they're going to have a few more of those sort of results. Um, yeah, as the season goes on, and it's going to hurt, but yeah, that's where they are. There they are. Having said that, they're still above the Phoenix, so you know, they're not bottom just yet. Yeah, they've got a point. Um, Donna, let's, let's just uh, let's talk. <laughs> 
quickly about something that's just kind of breaking at the moment. It's with your mob and Northern Terrace. Um, yeah, they're not happy. Now, this isn't the first time they've not been happy. I think there's a certain element of Boy Who Cried Wolf about um, active supporters in the sense that they're always complaining about something. And at some point, the little issues lose their... I guess lose sympathy with other people yeah, because it, there always seems to be something but this seems serious again gives a, an idea of what's going on with the statement and everything else so they've just released a statement saying that um, the anyone that wants to continue to support the club within the active areas will not be aligned with the Nor northern terrorist identity and all materials and leadership will not be present at future matches um, as you said and as Blaine said before, off air, it sounds like it's their way or no way at the moment. So what exactly, um, what, what is the problem? I'm assuming it's all got to do with the whole flare that got ripped and um, one of the guys were apparently dogged in by one of his own and it became a big issue. Um, the way I see it is, yes, Northern Terrace is unbelievable. Yes, um, they're loud, they're effective, but you know what, you're not bigger than the club, you're not bigger than the league and sometimes you've got to get over and stop being a bunch of babies and that is literally what it looks like at the moment. I support the guys, I've been in the Northern Terrace before, um, they're amazing, you know, they've got quite a bigger, they go away, They you just saw half the mob go to um, Adelaide, a thousand of them, but it just seems that, yeah, there's no middle ground with them, they don't want any push or shove, it's either do it their way, let them, you know, be the big kids, um, otherwise they'll have a sook about it and yeah, run off. <laughs> so, get over it. So, Blaine, you're involved in, in active support and, you know, you see the, the sort of treatment that gets doled out to active supporters as in it's, it's a presumption of guilt before anything actually happens. And you see that with police presence, you see that with some of the, the measures that have been put in by the authorities. Now, I, I understand... I can understand from a point of view of, of wanting to, to stop an incident before it starts, but you can also appreciate that it puts people on the on the defensive and puts them on the back foot and it can antagonise from the outset. Like some of the scenes at the Melbourne Derby outside with riot police on horseback and everything oh, else. It's it's a football match. Ridiculous. Honestly, I have never I've never been I've gone to games in Ireland, the UK, Europe, America, Australia, and I've never felt uh, unsafe at a football match even when I've seen pigs heads being thrown onto pitches flares lit you know I've never felt personally that I'm unsafe at a game because if I want to walk away from there's a flashpoint I can do that it seems to be everybody gets put in into the same bucket oh absolutely they do and um, I think Roman Connolly a uh, pretty predominant uh, AFL writer over there um, in Melbourne um, put it very well in his article um, and on um, on SEN Radio a few weeks ago, he takes his um, he takes his kids there. He's never felt and threatened, and he said, "If I did feel threatened, I wouldn't take my kids there." Yeah, um, that's what it comes down to. And unfortunately, we have these people that are making decisions, um, police and other stakeholders in the game that are making decisions that have never been at ground level. Absolutely. Or uh, either <laughs> or tarring everyone with the same brush. It's, um, due to a couple of idiots, you know. It's funny you say that. The um, There was a report on the news, and I won't say what station, just in case. They opened it up about the Adelaide, last night, um, opened up about the Adelaide Victory fan, um, game. And the picture that was on the screen was of a flare, yet there was no talk about the flare when they were reporting about it. They were reporting about 
a fight outside the stadium and they couldn't pick whether it was a Adelaide supporter or a Victory supporter. So it could have been anyone and it all comes down to the media. They just fuel it with a load of garbage and some of them don't even go to games, which frustrates me as well. They've never been to a game. They just see what they want to see and hear what they want to see. Oh, absolutely. Say. I mean, this comes down to the editors and sub-editors absolutely. that are, are putting these headlines up. Um, but that's where we are. We are where we are. It's why it's why the A-League website is based on galleries now. It's why we get clickbait headlines. It's it, it This is the stuff that gets the clicks in. It's what That's what the media evolves around. No one wants to read a story about well-behaved football fans. The problem is football fans, and us in, in, included in that, are, are very easy targets because football fans like to rebel. They, it's, it's, a history, it's a history right throughout football. And that's fine, football. but let's, let's report on football, on AFL, cricket, rugby league, rugby union, and all the rest of it in exactly the same sure, notion. Sure, but that's, that's a cultural thing, absolutely. And it's... It, it's what they found, though, is that these stories about football fans and flares and everything do sell papers. They do get the clicks in, so that's why they keep doing them. If no one clicked on it like anything else, it would lose its impact. And this is a problem across society with the media, is they don't realise the power that they actually have, that Joe Bloggs down the road that reads the Sunday paper is going to believe exactly what they've written. You know, this yeah. is the problem. Some people say they read what they do, they read what they see, and then they make their assumption on that. And then they run with it. Well, it, it's worst case scenario stuff. I mean, for every one one person letting off a flare, you have twenty thousand that go to a game and just sit there and have a drink and have a chat and have a laugh. And unfortunately, it's the bad stuff that gets highlighted. But at the same time, and it's my stat. I love the atmosphere that flares create a game in the sense of the, the color of the, the passion that that comes around it, whether that's banners, whether it's singing, chanting, the whole lot. The fact of the matter is, they're not allowed, so don't use them. If they were made allowed and you could negotiate that or you could negotiate something similar, by all means, knock yourself out and use as many yeah, as you like. Uh, but just, until they're legalised, just stop doing just it. I just don't see why you put yourself in your mates in that position just, anymore. Just don't I mean, do it's it. been through it. I, and mate, I love the bloody things. People but. had a whinge um, and said, you don't drop in one of your own um, with the victory um, when they lit supposedly a victory fan lit off that flare. And they We're said, why do you dob in one of your own? Well, you know what? You're not supposed to do it. We get you. But it's like not. It. It's not even that. We've it. seen it. We've seen it recently where fans have actually been blamed and they had nothing to do exactly. with stuff. So. And I tell you what, if it was me, I'd be dragging the kid who did it up to the thing yeah, in case one of you mates or myself was getting so, blamed. So you know what? Just stop doing it. <laughs> it looks good. Yeah, you like it. Yeah, but it's not allowed. It's not worth so the hassle. Just it's really not worth it? the hassle. <laughs> no, I, I mean I know we're we're focusing on the, the Northern Terrace here because it's uh, it's just what popped oh, this, up today. This is happening but this is a, across the board. This is absolutely. They they have their issues with the club and they have issues with with authorities and everything else. And that's for them. If they decide they're not going to participate at games anymore, good luck to them. That's that's their opinion, and and off they go. But as a as a wider issue within football in, in the country, um, I think society is. I still think society is not quite ready for what football is in terms of its active support. When you go to oh, other nice. countries, it's just par for the course. Like I'm, I mean, in Europe, like you don't you don't see flares the Premier League, for example. It, it no, just, it's not a thing. But, but yeah, but, it's not huge. No, you you go to mainland Europe. Um, you go to Ireland in the last few weeks for big games. You will see. Flares being let off, and clubs do get fined for it. There are still sanctions. The difference is, when there's a flare, it doesn't make news because it's just—it's it's not actually a big story. Someone, someone letting yeah. off a flare is not a big story. It's—it's no. it, it's a case of the club gets fined, the person gets chucked out and banned, and you move on because you can't 
you can't allow for 40,000 people to be behaved 100% of the time. Oh, it absolutely. just doesn't happen anywhere yeah. in society. You, yeah, walk no, into, you walk into Northbridge where we are at the moment on a Friday night, and I guarantee 100% of people aren't behave, behaving themselves. No. So, you know, how many, how many incidents that take place in an environment like, like this area with nightclubs, bars, everything else, how many of them get highlighted in the media? Very few, because there's a lot of incidents that go on at the weekend. It's only when somebody's been seriously hospitalized or at that, that it gets brought out in the media, whereas as soon as someone even touches a flare, whether it's hurt anyone or not, it's seen as big news and it's piggybacked by the media because it gets the clicks in, because there's a, a societal perception about football fans and uh, it's been played up to by the, those reporting on it, unfortunately. And those with an agenda, they, they feel threatened by our, by our sport. It's as simple as that. Yeah. There is a fear factor among other sports about what football is. There's no, there's no interest in, for in, say, in some parts of the media or some commentators of coexisting. They don't want that. They don't want to coexist with a sport they, that, that, like football that has momentum, that has world attention, that is... The biggest thing with football is it's so easy to get involved in because you can pick a ball, a round ball up, and you can kick it against the wall, and it will come back to you. And you and can this practice. Is, I mean, this is why I've got um, a lot of respect for guys like Roland Connolly, who's a big AFL guy, but he's got his eyes that wide open that yeah. he can see the bigger picture. The and exactly, exactly. Yeah. But not everyone is like Roland at the moment. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up um, part two there. That's the uh, the A League and associated stories uh, from from around the grounds at the moment so yeah we'll, we'll come back uh, a little bit on wa football and that'll do us you're listening to the far post perth powered by outside 90.com Final part of the Far Post Perth podcast. Just a couple of, um, I suppose, any other business items to go through. Uh, the first one is the Socceroos in Thailand uh, coming up next month. Very sensitive um, issue over there at the moment is the, is the, uh, the death of the king, who was the longest serving monarch in the world, I believe. And there's been some restrictions put in place. First, we weren't sure where the game was actually going to be held. Um, but it's it's slowly sorting itself out. And Blaine, you're heading over there with a quite a large flock of Socceroos supporters. Fill us in on what you have to do. Yeah, well, it's going to be um, a little bit interesting now. They've they ummed and ahed over whether it was going to go ahead and where it was going to go ahead. And um, various reports had any anything from a, a reverse fixture in Australia to Singapore, Malaysia, Vietnam, or even Cambodia. Um, as I said, these all came out of. Um, certain rumours and things which um, seem to conflict and um, speculate for about a week there. But um, it turns out they've decided to go ahead and um, you know a little bit of common sense has, has prevailed in letting the game go ahead at the um, original venue at uh, the Rajamankalas National Stadium in Bangkok. Um, as far as the away fans go, it's going to be suggested that away fans where no bright colours, so there goes the green and gold, you'd think. Um, banners, flags, any kind of instruments um, or colourful kind of um, material that you'd see in the home end have been um, not allowed 
been said that they won't be allowed into enter the stadium. So it's um, it's also been said that um, there'll be no singing or joyful celebrations. So I don't really know how that goes at a football match, but it's, um, you just want to hope that um, sounds like something the AFL media would be behind. Oh, it sounds like something in yeah. I don't, something I don't even go near. I won't even go near that. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you just hope that it's common sense does prevail and. You know, I think. Um, What's the over under on who's get how many are getting arrested? Oh well, you know, the last thing we want is uh, people ending up at the old Bangkok Hilton, so, or even the police, um, you know, coming in a bit, um, yeah, bit crazily. Yeah, be smart, guys. Be smart. Yeah, leave your budgie smugglers at home. Just, yeah, yeah, too right. Just too dress right. black. Don't celebrate. Fine. Um, what a great away trip. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah, I think a lot of the time will be. Um, I mean, hopefully it's back to back to almost normal, and people can just get around their daily business and still have that little bit of respect and see where the Thai people are at. But, yeah, well, um, I just hope from a pers- an outsider's perspective that it is respected. If that's their wishes, the Aussies just go with it, it, and you know, you just you just show that level of respect, and there are no major incidents because we don't really want to hear oh, absolutely not. No. Aussies abroad again. No, no, we are um, So, yeah, Blaine, behave yourself. Always, um, mate. Always. Ringleader. Uh, <laughs> don't know about that. Yeah, all right. Uh, the next thing I was going to uh, mention briefly, there was talk of a second team in Brisbane uh, lately. It was Miriam Blyberg and a consortium of people will get involved and, and maybe look to add a second team in that area. There was also some commentary today um, about a second team in, in New Zealand, which strikes me as bizarre, that me. given they kind of wanted <laughs> shot at the Knicks only last year. But in a hypothetical world, in 5, 10, 15 years' time, if there was a second team to come to Perth, Blaine, where would you put it? Um, I said straight up, I'd have to um, try to exploit that... Um that South North divide that Perth seems to have. Um, I think ideally you'd have it somewhere like Fremantle Oval. So Frio, is there what's the what's the level of glory support down that way? Is it is it a I mean, there's been some demographic? Pretty, oh, there's been some pretty historical clubs come from down that kind of way. I mean, you've got Coburn and obviously with Delmadinac just down the road, but they even start getting into like um, East uh, Frio Tricolore, which were merged in and out of um, Perth Italia just down the road here for um, a couple of years, which um, which is how I understand it went. Um, but I think that's the only kind of divide that we really have in Perth where you could set it up a, yeah. a rivalry, um, even somewhat with what we've got with West Coast and Fremantle is, um, yeah, is set up on that north-south north divide. Um, people have suggested Joondalup up your way. The only way I could see that would be, you know, Little Britain versus Australia or something like that. Stay of origin sort yeah. of thing. Um, the other alternative would be Mandra. That's what I was thinking. Mandra, Mandra Rockingham. Yeah, head which down that still way. pulls in that south that north south. divide. Yeah. So um, I think the, the the thing for me is that listen to Football West talking about bringing a team in. Your natural assumption would be that. Football West are looking to build now a, a home of home of the game at Ashfield, and to me, Ashfield is too close to Perth Glory oh, to have any yeah. sort of of, yeah. of even an office space for a for a second A League team because I assume that's what they're working towards with this home of football, um, and and you know because they've stated long term they want to run a second team, they want to get another team involved. 
now there's the talk of this building in Ashfield, and for, the, for those that don't know, I mean, Ashfield is not even, what, 15, 20 minutes away from NIB No, it's about 10 Stadium. minutes on the train from the city, 10, 15 from minutes. From NIB, yeah. From NIB, it's yeah. not far at all. No, so, no. so you're you'd be looking at placing, and it was the concern when, when uh, Football West were talking about in the first place, that initially both the, the, the second team would have to play out of NIB Stadium as well, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of putting a team. Well, this is why I, uh, I think Fremantle Oval is the way to go because Fremantle Doctors have just set up their new centre down in Coburn, which even further south mm-hmm. there. So the, the tenants are going to be few and far between down at. I don't think I have an issue with them Fremantle playing Oval. the same stadium. We do it in Melbourne. Victory. Well, we have. Eddie and look at the well. crowds at City get though. You yeah. look at what happened in Western Sydney, where it's a good hour outside Sydney, and you've yeah. got a whole new demographic to tap into. Yeah, that's that my, part that's my I concern. see. Yeah, that part I see um, the benefit to it, um, but I don't like. And this is me personally having a second eight, um, A League squad here in Perth. I think that's a long way away. Um, it is. It must for be. Me, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the first place that should have a team is Canberra, and they're crying out. Oh, Wollongong, Canberra. Yeah, they're yeah. crying they're, they're, for they're, they're top another of the Brisbane team. I don't think he's going to work. Not Brisbane, right now but that's in that um, area. I think it's that southwest corridor. I think they're talking yeah. about where um, down towards Ipswich way. I can see what they where they're heading, but I think if we're going to think of expansion and the A League is thinking of it, it has to be in Canberra. Bring back Far North Queensland. Yeah, they, they've got a model in place at the moment. Absolutely, they do. Well, that's, yeah, that's I've nice. heard about it. It's yeah, impressive. It's great. Um, but yeah. But if we were talking in Perth, then the Glen's all about Frio. Oh, uh, Mandra. Mandra. Down that way. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say up the north in the in the hood with all the um, all the the Brits and the <laughs> oh, and the like. Of you are. <laughs> oh, I just think that it's it's thriving up there. There's a good um, MPL success now. Get connection with Celtic now, can you? Could do. I'm my, my boys. <laughs> um, but now there's there's enough MPL teams in there that could potentially act as Feed feeders. Yep. So the demographic, it's only expanding. The sprawl is ridiculous up there. So. I, but I'd say they would be the three areas, whatever order you put them in, if we were to look at it. I would just, like any of those above Ashfield, for example. If oh, it was, yeah. Too close to home. Yeah, no, and that should be kept separate for a, a state, quote unquote, yeah. football centre. That shouldn't be used by an A-League club, or it needs to be used by all, yeah. all kind of... Well then, is, isn't, isn't that an issue if Football West takes a licence? You know, Football West is meant to be the governing body of the local game, but they have a vested interest then in well, the A-League I think, game. as we've mentioned before, that was originally how the West Coast Eagles was set up mm. with the state body here, the WA That's Football right. Commission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've got no real problem in them setting it up, but yeah. I think there must be a timeline where they need to relinquish Hands it, it to, over a, to the Chinese or... Well, yeah. <laughs> get her own back region. Gina Reinhardt might be in, you know, for a, a shot there once she finishes buying Australian farms with Chinese cohorts. <laughs> Right, last thing on my list, the um, Football West Gold Medal Night and the winners took place, uh, what, two weeks ago now? Yes. Two weeks, two weeks ago. Um, there was a lot of awards handed out from the uh, MPL and right down through the State League and even into the Amateur Player of the Year. So Donna, give us a little bit of a synopsis of, of what happened. I think um, we need to do a shout out firstly to Dave Macheski, what a year he's had. I've, I've followed him um, this year to see where he's progressed. He's always been um, a big achiever in the league, uh, but this year he was unbelievable um, for Sterling. He won their best and fairest, their players player, their golden boot. He then won um, the Ford McInerney uh, gold medal for the second time. First one was in 2009. 
He then won also the goal of the season, the West Australian goal of the season. So he's had a big year. Um, he's been great for Sterling. He's been one of their standouts. There's always been a little bit, I think he's edging onto 30 years of age now. A lot of talk about whether he should have been in, uh, you know, playing for an A-League squad. He did at one stage for you guys. I think he made, what, 25 appearances Yeah, I, don't, I was in the... Um in the party that never really thought he was given um, a fair chance. Had given a fair chance, um, mind you. At the time, we were and quite a. He's been um, brilliant this season. Um, basket case. You know, coming back when they were, you know, he scored a free kick and then a late winner in the 94th minute against Perth, which was a big game for him. Then they had very big wins, um, thanks to him um, as well. He was man of the match. I think he got. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he finished on 38 votes for the um, for the season ahead of Armadale's Jesse for 27 votes. So he he killed it. Just on that, do you think these guys that come through the WA National Premier League system and through the WA system sure. are at a disadvantage from not getting seen? I've upset it um, from the Eastern States every clubs. Year. Um, another guy like Ludo um, Boy who won it last year. I have been saying, and this is not be, me being biased by any means, but I've been saying it for the last few years that he's very unlucky not to be picked up by another squad. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but when he was playing for the Glory Youth, he won um, Glory Player of the Year and he was injured for six games and still took out the title. So I think he I, played once for Glory. What yeah, literally one game for them. So he's... I do think they're at a disadvantage, um, but you go to the Eastern States, and this is no disrespect to the uh, quality of football of you in the NPL, you go over there and the quality is a, a little bit better. Um, they edge them out. I want to watch South Melbourne play, I watch Green Gully play when I go over there, Bentley Greens. Um, so it's very hard because there's so many, so much quality over there. Um, there's quality over here, but people like Mucheski and Ludo, who I think have been brilliant, um, I haven't really watched too much of the other teams play. I've watched a couple of um, Perth play. Um, and again, they've been great. The, the likes of Dean Evans and so forth who've just come out and absolutely smashed it. And these guys, yeah, you might not put them in your starting 11 with glory of the team that they have now, so they're going to struggle to get into that squad. But there's another nine teams out there they could possibly be playing for. So Macheski deserves um, the gold medal this year by any means. 17 league goals in 22 appearances. You've got goal of the season as well. Goal, goal of the season, season. Yeah. yeah. That was a belter too. Yeah, exactly. So There were some great ones in there. Mm. He's been brilliant and I say that every year. Oh, so some of the, uh, the other award winners in the NPL, don't know who, who else we've got. Uh, uh, Coach of the year, Tataki at Inglewood. He had a great um, great season over there. He's been re-signed by them. I don't know if it's Yeah, many. another year. He's another year. Yeah. Um, goalkeeper of the year, Francis, um, down at Perth. He's been brilliant. The games that I've watched, he's kept them in the game um, quite a few times. The first team Golden Boot winner was Gordon Smith and Gustavo. I can't say your last name, Gustavo. So Got it, Yes. Both tied on 19, uh, 19 goals um, for the season. So they just edged out Machewski, um with his 17 goals. Otherwise, he would have taken everything up. We had, um, you know, Perth FC won quite a few things. The DT38 Foundation Awareness Award went to Gwalup, Croatia. I think we should mention them. Um, I met them at the DT38 Ball and great guys, great team. I've met the players, the coach and so forth. And they're such a great club. Their work ethic and everything they do behind the scenes, not only for the foundation, but for WA football has been fantastic. 
Um, just to go down the list, we see Joondalup United won a few things. Uh, Player of the Year with Lee Jones and then Coach of the Year with Nick Jennings at Joondalup. Golden Boot with Lee Jones at Joondalup. Division what, what One winners club. at Joondalup. You know, what a club, Neil. <laughs> Unbelievable. Tell us a bit, <laughs> a bit about them. They're fantastic. Oh, no, it's, they're, no, the boys did really well this year and Nick's, um, Nick's got, a great, got a great squad together. And Jones, he's been a goal scorer for years. Uh, he's just, uh, he's been at the club for... Yeah, I think six or seven years now where he only had one year where he went to ECU for a bit um, but just knows where the goal is you won't see him for 85 minutes and he'll pop up and score a hat-trick so he's that kind of player but I think every club needs a goal scorer and if you look at the, the teams that are there thereabouts towards the end of the year they'll always have somebody who's towards the top of the goal scorers chart so yeah, he, he's done very well and um, the club will go NPL next year which is I think we're just going to give a quick shout out to the women's um, Premier League teams here um with Mariana today, I watched her. She won the Player of the Year. I watched a couple of games of her, and she was brilliant. Do we know where she's going? She's next going year? back to City. She's going yeah, back to City. Yeah, that's right. She went to City. Yeah. After a few years, uh, always, always a great player to watch for a set piece. Oh, I watched a couple of her games. I didn't actually. I don't. I, you know, a bit embarrassing, but I don't really follow women's football as such, and everyone gives me a bit of a hiding about that. Letting the girls down, Donnie. Letting the everyone girls down. down. But she's been brilliant, you know. But there was a mix awards um, for the women's um, league in the state Premier League with the coach um, Tim Hodgson down at Northern Redbacks, and then goalkeeper of the year Evie Gooch at Melville City. So it was very mixed awards um, down at women's football. But just give them a shout out. I see that Perth Glory um, are slowly getting their team together with Bobby under them. Um, so I think there's big things coming their way with their women's football at the moment. A bit of competition. Yeah, the, um, the W League starts next month, That's so right. yeah. probably on our next pod we'll do a little bit more of a focus on them. They've re-signed yeah. uh, some quality players for, for the season and hopefully yeah, they'll, they'll, yeah, um, they'll kick on and can be there thereabouts come, come silverware time. Also lost a few players, but you know they'll, they'll pick up um, sort of like Sam Kerr is back again, which is obviously a, uh, a, a massive a massive yeah. signing because she's, she's kind of the poster girl for the team and um, for, for a lot of the young supporters around WA, and she's a, a proper role model and um, someone that they can look up to. She's so. a great ambassador for the yeah. for the women's game. Absolutely. All right, that's um, that's pretty much it. So we'll wrap it up there for for this podcast. I'll just say thanks to uh, the both Donna and Blaine for joining me. Um, make sure you head over to uh, Outside 90, the guys that are supporting this. The podcast itself is on Audio Boom and iTunes. There's a whole network that have been established now, so it's a great initiative from right across Australia. And you know, some thoughts and, and views from the fans. You can hit us up on Twitter. We're at the Far Post Perth, and we're also um, Far Post Perth on Facebook. You can drop us your comments, feedback. If there's anything else you want talked about on on the upcoming podcast, let us know. We're all we, we're all ears. So until uh, the next podcast, yeah, enjoy your football. Thanks for listening to the Far Post Perth, powered by Outside90.com. a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. 
set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.